Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that dives deep into the stories of everyday history. I'm Gay Bluesier, and in this episode, we're talking about the innovative Cold War-era submarine that turned the maritime branch of the U.S. Armed Forces into the world's first nuclear navy. The day was September 30th, 1954. The USS Nautilus, the world's first nuclear-powered submarine, was accepted into active service by the U.S. Navy. It was commissioned at the Electric Boat Shipyard in Groton, Connecticut, and placed under the command of Naval Officer Eugene P. Wilkinson. The Nautilus was an appealing piece of hardware for a naval commander, as the ship's atomic engine and ability to make oxygen from seawater allowed it to stay submerged indefinitely. The submarines used in World War II had to surface every 12 to 48 hours, but the Nautilus could remain underwater for two weeks or more at a time, only needing to resurface to restock its food supply. This gave it a major tactical advantage over traditional diesel-powered submarines, as the Nautilus could simply lie in wait until the noisier enemy ships revealed themselves. As Commander Wilkinson later explained, quote, Eventually, they would have to run their diesel, and when they did, my sonar man would hear them, and we'd sneak up on them, and the world was ours. The Nautilus was developed as part of the Navy's nuclear propulsion program. A group of scientists and engineers under the command of Navy Captain Hyman G. Rickover 
began work on the atomic submarine in 1947 at the dawn of the Cold War. The design they settled on was considerably larger and heavier than the diesel-electric submarines of the era. It measured 319 feet in length and displaced 3,180 tons of water. The ship's size was a necessary consequence of its unconventional power source. Although it required only a small amount of uranium fuel to operate, the nuclear reactor still took up a good deal of space, especially when you factor in the propulsion turbines that were driven by the steam it produced. There was also added weight from the thick paneling used to protect against possible radiation contamination. That said, the speed of the Nautilus more than made up for its cumbersome size. When submerged, it could reach speeds in excess of 20 knots, and thanks to its atomic engine, it could sustain those speeds for incredibly long periods. Satisfied with Rickover's proposal, Congress authorized the construction of a nuclear-powered submarine in July of 1951. Five months later, the Navy Department announced the name of the experimental vessel. It would be called the Nautilus, the sixth Navy ship to sail under that name. As with those other ships, the name was likely a nod to Jules Verne's classic science fiction novel, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Published in 1870, the book recounted the voyages of Captain Nemo, an enigmatic visionary who explored the depths of the seas in his battery-powered submarine, the Nautilus. The Navy's use of the name was a fitting, if not obvious, choice for a sub powered by atomic energy. Nemo's Nautilus was viewed as a technological marvel of its age, just as theirs would be in the 1950s. Despite the many challenges of the project, Captain Rickover and his team managed to build and deliver the world's first nuclear vessel several years ahead of schedule. The keel of the Nautilus, the part of the hull on which the rest of a ship is built, was laid by President Harry Truman in June of 1952. Construction took the better part of two years, but on January 21, 1954, the vessel was finally ready to be launched into the Thames River in Groton, Connecticut. First Lady Mamie Eisenhower was on hand for the occasion, and even christened the ship by breaking a bottle of champagne across its bow. The Nautilus remained dockside for the next nine months as further preparations and sea trials were conducted to ensure everything was working properly. The Nautilus crew and the ship itself performed successfully, and on September 30, 1954, they were officially commissioned as an active unit of the U.S. Navy. Despite this preliminary acceptance, the Nautilus remained docked for further testing for the rest of the year. Once the all-clear was given, the Nautilus was ready to embark on its maiden voyage. On the morning of January 17, 1955, Commander Wilkinson ordered all lines cast off and signaled a historic message, Underway on Nuclear Power. Over the next several years, the submarine was put through its paces in a series of extensive trials meant to test the limits of its power supply. Along the way, the Nautilus broke every record on the books relating to submerged speed and distance. It also underwent a battery of torpedo firing tests and other trials meant to gauge its effectiveness in combat. The findings were conclusive. Anti-submarine warfare tactics that had proved effective during World War II had little, if any, effect against the Nautilus. The nuclear-powered sub set another seemingly impossible record during the summer of 1958. 
Its top-secret mission, known as Operation Sunshine, was to make the first crossing of the North Pole by ship. The Nautilus departed Pearl Harbor, Hawaii on July 23rd and set course for Point Barrow, Alaska. From there, the Nautilus dove underwater and traveled submerged for nearly a thousand miles underneath the Arctic ice cap. The 116-man crew stayed the course for nearly a week until finally, on August 3, 1958, they arrived at the geographic North Pole, 90 degrees north. Reaching the top of the world was a tremendous feat and one that wouldn't have been possible with any other vessel in service at the time. Even once its record-setting days were behind it, the Nautilus continued to serve as a blueprint for the more modern nuclear-powered submarines that followed it. And while Captain Nemo ultimately blew up his Nautilus, the U.S. Navy was a little more savvy with theirs. In the spring of 1980, the USS Nautilus was decommissioned after nearly 25 years of active service and more than 500,000 miles traversed at sea. Two years later, the submarine was designated as a National Historical Landmark. It was converted into a historic museum ship at Mare Island in California and then towed back to the port of its birth in Groton, Connecticut. The Nautilus, now a floating library and museum, was opened for public viewing in 1986. Visitors can still climb aboard today to get an up-close look at the vessel that changed the course of naval warfare. You'll want to get off if it starts to dive, though. It's not supposed to do that anymore. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider keeping up with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find us at TDIHCshow. You can also drop me a line anytime by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality, high quality and immersive sound, a sleek design. All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro series has all of those and the Roku streaming experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio and podcasts all day and regular all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros.
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.